Face in the Dark by Red Hot Owl. It was a breezy September evening. The yellow glow of the street lights reflected off the rain slickened sidewalk. I was making my way back from volleyball practice. I usually took the bus, but I ended up missing it that day and didn't feel like waiting another 20 minutes for the next one to show up, so I decided to save some time and just walk home instead. I'm fortunate enough to live relatively close to my school, and it wasn't like I hadn't made the trek before. It's a fairly gated neighborhood, one of those places where your neighbors will judge you if you forget to mow your lawn that week or neglect to put up the appropriate holiday decorations. Crime is virtually unheard of in these parts, so I, who couldn't have been older than 13 at the time, didn't feel scared walking alone after dark. The only sounds were of crickets and the odd passing car. I checked the time on my phone. It was past 9 o'clock. I still had homework that needed doing, including a report that was due tomorrow morning. I decided to cut the already short walk even shorter by going straight through the park. With the absence of daylight, the quaint little plot of greenery might as well have been a dark forest. The branching cobblestone paths snaked around the dense foliage, converging on a pond at the center of the park. This is where all the soccer moms and their kids usually spend their summer afternoons. All that greeted me now was a circle of empty benches. There were twigs and shriveled leaves littering the pond, disturbed only by the occasional ripple. My sole sources of light were the pair of lampposts positioned at the opposite sides of the clearing. And then, as I glanced back toward the trees, I noticed something. The only reason it caught my attention is because I happened to be looking in that direction. I wonder what would have happened had I chosen to ignore it. Would it have just ignored me as well? Or had it already been watching me, waiting for the right moment to reveal itself? I used my sleeve to wipe my glasses, put them back on, and squinted. There was something round and pale, suspended between two pine trees. It didn't seem to be connected to anything, like a white dot in the middle of a black canvas. I stepped closer in an effort to get a better look. My heart sank to my stomach. Staring back at me was a face. I jumped back with a yelp. It, on the other hand, didn't even flinch just kept observing me with its wide, glassy, doll-like eyes. Its lips were curved into a porcelain smile, its complexion so deathly pale that it looked artificial, almost like a mannequin's. I wanted to run, to get as much distance between me and that thing as physically possible, but my legs refused to budge. I wasn't paralyzed with fear, no. It was doing something to me. Something I couldn't see. It was as if there were invisible hands holding me in place, their grip tightening the more I pleaded with my body to get me the hell out of there. The disembodied face was now hovering toward me, gliding through the darkness that separated us. Or was I being dragged towards it? Whatever the case, it was getting closer and fast. I could do nothing but shriek in horror as its mouth suddenly began to open. It stretched past all conceivable limits, revealing a toothless void that could easily fit me whole. I squirmed against whatever was restraining me, but it made little difference. I could see it in its eyes. The satisfaction. The hunger as its black maw drew ever closer. 
I've never been a particularly religious person, but something or someone must have been looking out for me that night. What happened next was nothing short of a miracle. Just as I had all but surrendered my fate, I was suddenly yanked back by the waistband of my sweatpants. A large and hairy shadow jumped in front of me, shielding me from the pale apparition's impending approach. Judging by the collar around its neck and the leash it dragged behind, it appeared to be someone's dog. Still in shock, I could only sit there and watch as it faced off against the thing in the woods. Its guttural barks reverberated throughout the park. The owner, an older woman in her fifties, came running not long after. She proceeded to try and help me up while apologizing profusely, immediately assuming that it was her dog that had attacked me. I shook my hand and attempted to explain. Although I doubt anything that came from my mouth sounded even remotely coherent. By the time I managed to formulate a full sentence, the face had disappeared. Only empty darkness occupied the space where it had been. The most terrifying part... I never found out what that thing actually was. A ghost? A monster? A product of a schizophrenic episode? For all I know, I could wake up one night and spot it grinning at me from across the room. It's been a whole decade since then, and thankfully nothing like that has ever happened, but I doubt that the paranoia will ever truly go away. It probably doesn't help that my only witness is a literal dog who likely isn't even alive anymore. Still, I suppose that my story does have somewhat of a happy ending. My canine savior went on to father eight healthy pups that following year. I remember how hard it was to sell my parents on the idea initially, but they eventually caved and we ended up adopting one of them for Christmas, a slobbery little princess named Rosie. She's actually snoring on the couch next to me as I type this. We call her Granny Rosie now. She's turning nine next month. Hopefully we'll get to celebrate it. With how uncertain things are in the world right now, you never know. I know it's customary to end stories like this with some sort of warning. The problem is that I have as much of an idea of what happened that night as you do. Trust me, I'd love to randomly come across some old newspaper article or forum post that conveniently validates my experience would have certainly saved me the years I've spent doubting my mental health. Unfortunately, the real world rarely works like that. My luck doesn't stretch quite that far. I'll just leave you with a small piece of advice instead. If it's late, and you have the option, please just take the damn bus. Past Tense by Brandon Fairclaw Come in here. Jumping slightly, I crossed the waiting room to the cracked double doors. In the room beyond, there was a wizened old man sitting in a large leather chair. I'm sorry, but I think I'm in the wrong place. I'm here for a job. No, you're in the right place. Come in. Shut the door behind you. I did, taking the chair across from the man at his commanding gesture. He just studied me before a small smile began creeping across his face. Job interviews are nerve-wracking, aren't they? I felt a twinge of relief at his words. <laughs> yeah, they are. I'm really hoping for the opportunity. Uh, I, I mean to talk to you. 
Not that I'm assuming I'm getting the job, but I was honored to get the invitation from such a prestigious firm. His rooly eyes, still studying me closely, he gave something between a laugh and a snort. I remember what it was like to be you. Young, strong, full of excitement and hope. So sure that everything was going to turn out well. I looked down awkwardly. Well, I... I'm envious of all you must have accomplished in your life, and still will, I'm sure. This time his chuckle was more full-throated. <laughs> Jesus, was I always such a kiss-ass? Uh, excuse me? The man leaned forward, his features sharp and hard in the relief of the overhead lights. That's the problem. There's no excuse for you. You had every opportunity and you ruined everything. Something was wrong here and I needed to leave, but when I tried to stand, the chair somehow held me fast. I looked up at the man to see him grinning nastily at me. You can't leave without a replacement. As he spoke, his hair was growing thicker and darker. The lines around his eyes and down his cheeks were receding and his frame was growing larger and broader as he stood up over me. How hadn't I seen it before? He was me. Why? How? How? Because time is a lie and I found a path to undo what we've done. I looked down and saw my hands were now withered and old. As for why, because we're bastards that deserve to be punished. I spent centuries in this room as it moved across a million different threads, looking for one where I could lure you here and fix our mistakes in at least one of them. You've moved past me to the door. Now it's your turn. Being here, you'll remember other lives and worlds. You'll learn to hate us as much as I do if you don't go mad first. Wait! Don't! The door unlatched behind me. The sound was alien, filling me with terror and hope. How long had I been trapped here? With the memories of so many lifetimes. I sensed movement from somewhere outside and desperately let out a rough call of words. The first I'd spoken in so... So long. Come in here. Something has been running alongside my car when I drive. By Drecknaw. I took the bus to school. My house was half an hour away at the very minimum. I tended to sit in the back, as no one I knew too well was there with me on the bus. Jimmy lived close enough to walk back home, and Charlie was on a different bus route. They were my only close friends, so I was alone for the ride home. The other seats near mine were occupied by who I guessed you'd call the cool kids, though I think I might have thought that about them just because they were a year ahead of me. They never bullied me or anything. If anything, they were happy to ignore me, and I kind of preferred it that way. I sort of blended right into the bus seats. This was the age before electronics were widely available, so I spent the time looking out the window. Of course, we followed basically the same route every single day, so this got boring, as you might imagine. 
I would try to make this a little more interesting. I imagined a figure that would follow the bus as it drove. The figure would climb every tree and dodge any face on the way. When I got a bit older, I found out that this wasn't something only I did, but by then I no longer relied on that tactic as it was. I'd moved to a different school where I could easily walk, and I never had a habit of seeing the figure while I was anywhere other than a school bus. It's been over two decades since that time, and it would have remained as nothing more than a fond memory. That is until this past week. I thought I was just seeing things, but while I was driving to work, I caught something in the rearview mirror. It was just a flash of total blackness for a moment, and I thought it was just a cloud blocking the sun or something, but it kept happening. And the thing was that it wasn't exactly very clear as to what it was. I could just make it out in the corner of my eye. I couldn't see it directly, however, unless I stopped driving. I'd convinced myself it was a trick of the light, so I didn't bother with it initially. I went about my job as usual and didn't notice the strange shadow this time while driving home. However, that was probably just because I was distracted and eager to go home. The next day, the same thing happened. I was beginning to think there was something wrong with my mirror, of all things. The day after, I noticed it more clearly. There was a shadow, a shape running just behind my car. There was no way for me to have been imagining it, given how much clearer I could see it. Alarmed, I parked the car at a nearby gas station and got out with a finger on my phone to call the police. But I couldn't see it anymore. Shaking my head and wondering if I'd gone crazy, I got back inside my car and went on my way. Only to see it again. I tried getting a better view of whatever it was. It just seemed like a shadow from this distance, but that nearly caused me to swerve off the road. I tried to put it out of my mind, but my eyes kept drifting to the sight of that... whatever it was. Once I got to work again, I didn't see that thing anymore. Although I had no proof of this, it felt like as if it was trying to catch up to me in some way. As the days rolled by, it became abundantly clear that I wasn't having some sort of episode or just imagining it. And another thing, whatever it was, it got closer and closer every single time I went for a ride. After a few days, I'd had enough and asked my wife to drive me to work in her car. I thought that this might fix the issue, but sure enough, I saw it trailing behind us. When I did, I nearly jumped out of my seat, getting an alarmed look from my wife. I just pointed at the thing and said, Do you see that? See what? That weird dark black thing, I said. She frowned as she glanced where I was pointing. At this distance, if she could see it, there was no way that she wouldn't be able to spot it. No. Are you feeling okay? You seem kind of pale. I took the bus back home that evening, and sure enough, it was there. The same weird figure, though it was closer than ever, just barely behind my window. I talked to the other people on the bus and tried to see if I could get them to spot it in a roundabout way. No luck. 
It's been three days since then and I haven't gone to work or to the store or anywhere that would need a car or a bus. I don't even want to leave the house anymore. I've gotten away with it until now by saying that I'm sick, but that isn't going to buy me any more time. I'm sure my wife's already starting to notice that something is up. What frightens me is that the last time I saw it while I was on that bus, it was close enough for me to make out something resembling a face. What I saw was a portrait of immense sorrow and misery. I know this sounds crazy, but I think that in some way that thing is angry at me. Angry that it's being forced to chase after me. I've done some reading, and according to some people, you can project what you're thinking into reality, or at least some people can. Is that it? Is he angry because I made him run behind me pointlessly all those years? Whether it's true or not, I'm not going to risk it. And of course, with it getting closer and closer, whatever vehicle I'm in, with every single ride, I can't help but think of the day when it finally catches up to me. It isn't very far off. I have no idea if it means that it really is all in my head or not, but I'm not taking any chances. If any of you have any information on how to deal with this kind of thing, or any knowledge as to what it even is, please let me know. The clock is ticking, and I don't think I can just not use a vehicle for the rest of my life. The Grim by Manon Lysette No one knew what the shaggy black dog wanted when it wandered into town. It only ever appeared at night when the shadows could hide its amorphous form, which seemed a mix of fluid as water but sharp as thorns. Bright gold eyes would look on from the darkness as though beaconing to come closer, but the low growl it emanated scared most townsfolk away. The few who were undeterred and attempted to approach it would find the creature very skittish, ignoring offerings of food and fleeing from touch. One day, a lonely artist set up nearby with an oil lamp to paint a portrait of an infamous dog. The creature remained perfectly still for hours as the artist painted by lamplight. When he was finally done, he turned the canvas over and took a few steps closer to show his work. As always, the dog took off into the woods. But the artist had enjoyed his time with the dog, and he felt a kinship with the lone animal, so he followed him into the forest. Foliage was thick, and he was afraid he'd lose sight of it, but whenever he became lost in the leaves, he'd look up to see the dog waiting for him right at the edge of his field of vision, as though guiding him. When he finally broke through to the other side of the forest, he found the dog laying still on the footsteps of an old abandoned hotel. The outside was overgrown and cracked, but as the artist explored, he found the damage was merely superficial. He saw potential in the old place, dedicated himself to restoring it. Today, that forgotten hotel has become an art gallery. Among the pieces of permanent exhibits is a painting of a not-so-lonely artist, hugging a dog as dark as the shadows, with bright, golden eyes. Dime Store Homunculus by Brandon Faircloth I was in the shop for less than five minutes when I saw it. A 
little man sitting on a shelf next to some old college beer steins. My first thought was Benny. I'd missed Christmas the week before, and weren't all kids into elves and tiny people toys? I was surprised by its weight and the overall feel of the thing. It had to be some weird mix of maybe clay and leather, treated with some kind of resin, but it actually felt like holding a little person. Sure, the limbs were fairly rigid, but not entirely inflexible, and the clothes, while not stylish, felt and looked like a real set of tiny shirt and pants, rather than the crude facsimile toys usually get. I was looking for a price tag when I noticed the old, white-haired woman who'd been hiding behind the counter when I came in. How much for this? The woman had been looking at the tiny man instead of me, and when I asked the question, she sucked in her teeth for several seconds before glancing up at me. Why do you want it? I shrugged. Late Christmas gift for my grandson, maybe. Her face drew down into a frown. No, that won't do. It's not a toy. I still laughed when I saw she was serious. <laughs> what is it then? Some people call it a homunculus, but that's not right. It's actually an anthroparian. She swallowed and looked away. Or so my husband used to say. I didn't want to get caught up in some long, weird conversation with this widow, so I just pulled out a small stack of bills. Here, 550 bucks. I'd like to buy it. She shook her head. Not if it's going to a child. Fighting the urge to roll my eyes, I forced a smile as I had out the money. No, I decided I want it for myself. Do you think Benny really likes it? My daughter glanced into the living room where he was talking and listening to the little man like he was a real person. Yeah, though I think it's pretty creepy if I'm being honest. She grinned at me. But it was sweet that you... Oh, God. I followed her gaze to where Benny was chewing up the little man and eating him. Fast, savage bits and gulping swallows that were done before we could reach him and pry his jaws apart. His parents rushed him to the hospital, but oddly they found no signs that he'd swallowed anything at all, and he didn't seem sick from it. That's not to say he doesn't seem different now. The past two years he's become much more mature and reserved. He spends most of his time reading on his tablet, and the couple of times I've sunk a peek, it seems like silly fantasy stuff about rituals and alchemy. I chalked it up to the oddities of youth until my daughter called me last week. She said she'd found a hidden stash in Benny's room, filled with little figures he'd been making. Three of them. One that looked like her. One Benny's father. And one like me. Said they looked a lot like... Well, you know. I was going to try and make it out there the next day, but I got held up. And then last night she called again that everything was fine. The dolls had just been a silly joke, but yes, I should come over when I could. That's something they wanted to share, but there was no rush. They could be patient. <laughs>